Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode, very exciting episode, of No Lights, No Camera Action. And I'm joined, as always, by Jacob. Hello, everyone. And uh, today is a very special episode indeed, because it is the conclusion of our film Alphabet Challenge. Uh, so we're actually going to start with the last film and then uh, talk about uh, the rest of the films we watched as a whole. So without further ado... It's too bad that's the last time we're going to get to hear that uh, yeah, plankton yeah. Uh, clip. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss not being able to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, remind me, the, the next episode uh, we do, even if there's um, audio issues, we got to do through Discord so you can hear the new ones for um, the next film challenge at least once. Sounds good. Um. <laughs> So, uh, this was my pick for Z, and I went with a little bit of a weird one. Um, I went with the Disney Channel original movie, Zombies. Um, and, uh, basically to give a brief summary of the plot, uh, it takes place in the town of Seabrook. Um, and years ago, there was an incident involving lime soda that turned a bunch of people into zombies. Uh, and so the town has segregated zombies from the humans, uh, but at the time the film takes place, it's been, like, 40 years or something, and they are actually going to be allowing, uh, the zombie teenagers to attend the human high school. Um, one zombie in particular, Zed, uh, dreams of trying out for the football team, uh, meanwhile, a human girl, uh, by the name of Addison, um, who has a deep, dark secret of her own in the fact that she has white hair, <laughs> um, wants to try out to be on the cheer squad. Uh, they meet, are sort of star-crossed lovers, or as star-crossed lover you can be as high schools. Although, I guess, technically, they are older than Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, you know what? Slightly. That is, that is actually true, and now I'm sad again. They are slightly older than Romeo and Juliet. Um, and then, you know, throughout the movie, there there's a couple incidents um, with the zombies uh, that freak everybody out. But at the end, uh, there's this whole uh, cheer-off, which I didn't realize was a... Th I don't know if that's actually a thing. It probably is. Um, uh, I have... Okay. Oh, okay, I'd imagine that's something along those lines of the thing, but I've only ever encountered those in movies about cheer squads, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, All now two that I've encountered. 
Uh, yeah. Um. This one's a series that they made, but who is this? Anyway. Um. But anyways, um, so at the end of the day, they, you know, the zombies join in and help Seabrook's uh, cheer squad in the tournament, and zombies are accepted now. Everyone wins. Uh, so, um, initial thoughts on the movie. Jacob, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll elaborate a bit more on part of my thoughts later, but for now, I would just like to open this with saying that this is what I am now referring to as a sledgehammer movie. In that, every idea, notion, and the setup that the movie establishes is, is presented to the audience with all the subtlety of getting hit in the dick of a sledgehammer. Oh! Oh, okay. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting discussion. No, I don't necessarily mean that negatively, although it is definitely a negative description now that I say it out loud. But, like, every... Okay. Everything's just explained, like, real... I'll, I'll get into it after your thoughts. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, my initial thoughts... I, I liked this a lot more than I was expecting to, honestly. Um, Honestly, same here, but... Yeah, yeah, um, it, this was definitely not what I expected, um, especially for a modern Disney Channel original movie. Um, I, I actually think this might be one of the best Disney Channel original movies. It's certainly, and I'll get into more of this, um, in a bit, but it is certainly, I think, the most important Disney Channel original movie for kids these days to watch. Like, it's it's saying a lot more than most Disney Channel original movies, that's for sure. I um, mean, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, I, yeah, no, I... Yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to, so... Um, yeah, well, uh, now we can get into specifics. Um... Uh, first of all, um, but yeah, yeah, I guess elaborate on your, on your sledgehammer thing. <laughs> okay, so, uh, what I remember that is, uh, this movie has a recurring, I'm gonna say problem, where, like, it doesn't seem like they trust the audience to be able to understand a situation, so they feel the need to explain it as, like, even the most obvious situations, like, really, like, 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 in a really, like, what's the word? What's the word? Spoon-feeding? Uh, hold, yeah, hand-holding? Like, spoon-feeding, like, 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 they spoon-feed the audience of obvious situations. Like, uh, I can give an example. Uh, early on in the movie, there's a situation where the main zombie character, Zed, uh, leaves the basement that the zombies have all been segregated to at the beginning to go try and try out for the football team. And it's obvious... Like, just intuitively, based on everything that's been presented by the movie leading up to this point, that this is a very, that this is a risky move that could get him in a lot of trouble, but he's doing it anyway because he wants to go down to the football team. And then, as he's sneaking through the holes, he looks to the camera and says, yeah, I know, this is a risky maneuver, this could get me in a lot of trouble, but I really want to try out for the football team. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, as much as I love fourth wall breaking done right in movies, it 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 is overused in this movie okay, and not thing, used like, well. But here's the thing, like, I was fine with it at the very beginning. Okay, for the, to elaborate for you guys, for the guys in the audience, uh, throughout the movie there are bits where like the main two characters will just look directly at the audience, like say their thoughts on the situation. And I was fine with this for the first instance of it, because the first instance is just the two characters essentially looking to the audience as if they were in the stage play and just explaining what the situation is. Yeah. And I, I was fine with those because like it's a movie with a silly and ridiculous premise, so you may as well set it up in a silly and ridiculous way. But then they just kind of keep doing it for really obvious things that they don't need to do it for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... And, and um, I, I feel like a lot of that, like, we we probably have a lot more issues with it because, you know, obviously we are much older than the target yeah. demographic for yeah. this movie. Um, uh, but yeah, this, I mean, I, I will admit there there are a lot of moments where, where it feels like the movie is talking down to its audience. Um, yeah, um... Uh, another thing I wanted to get into, um, that we didn't even really mention, um, cause, um, cause this is, this is a musical, uh, uh and I love, I love me some musicals, um, I was a little disappointed with the music in this film, I didn't expect it to just be, like, all pop, and not much, like, I, like, it, yeah, I mean, it, it it was very pop, hip-hop heavy uh, in its uh, songs. Yeah. Uh, the one song I really did like, though, was um, the duet between Addison and Zed, um, Someday. Huh? When, when they first meet. And, like, I, I thought, I, I like that song. And, and like, they're, like, acting in, in that. Uh, although it is very obvious, like... It's very obvious they didn't sing these live. <laughs> it's very obvious, but like yeah. I, I, I can excuse it for this. Yeah. And again, this is made for TV, so like whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's like, made for children. Yeah. But regarding the music, I will say that I definitely like liked the music more than I was like I was really a lot less bothered by the music than I was expecting to be. Because like mm. I'm not a big fan of musicals, and I do. Okay. Words, sorry. And I don't have a lot of experience with Disney Channel movies beyond high Disney Channel musicals beyond High School Musical, really. And yeah. that, uh, okay. I theoretically like several of the songs there, but I can't really get into them because the the context is too important. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like yeah. the songs make no sense if you're don't not aware of the context, and even though I know. Ooh, Oh and yeah. That fact, even though I know what the context of the songs are, it takes me out of it. Oh and yeah. This... So, yeah, like some, like someday, like I mean, even someday, you you kind of need the context, but like yeah. some someday and like the, what was it? Stand up. Um, the the like big motivational song she sings right before she removes her wig in front of everybody. Uh huh. Um. Like, the, those are really the only two songs that work independently of this movie at all. Yeah. 
Um, which that is, I mean, uh, it's a double-edged sword because like with, with musicals, you obviously want the songs to help progress the story. Yeah. Um, but it is also nice if they can stand on their own. As yeah, well. exactly. And, and I feel like with the style, they went, okay. I probably would have been more, I, I probably would have been more down with the musical style of this if those songs stood out on their own. Like, Greatest Showman is a good example of a musical that, you know, the songs progress the plot and they're in a modern style compared to, like, most traditional musicals, but they also stand, they also um, work on their own as well uh, in most cases. Like, they work as, as individual songs, as well as pieces fitting into a bigger story. Um, so yeah, in musicals, it is, it is, you know, it's a fine line you have to ride uh, when, when making songs for a musical. Because there's also, you can have the opposite problem, um, like I feel um, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody has, where, I, I mean, of course, like, the, you know, the songs are all, like, pre-existing Queen yeah, songs. Like um, but they don't really have an impact. Uh, they don't really progress the story. They're just there because it's a it's a movie about Queen. We have to have Queen songs. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear that like, quite a bit from a couple, like, not a couple... I hear that quite a bit from the reviews that I run into for, like, jukebox-style musicals, where it's all pre-existing yeah. songs. And that's actually what I like about stuff like Rocket Man and Across the Universe, um, because yeah. those use pre-existing songs, but also use them in a way to progress the plot. Yeah, uh, Rocket, yeah. Man do Rocket Man does it especially well, I must say. Um, yeah, because, like, I haven't seen it, but, like, from all the... I've heard a lot about it from just everyone talking about it but my understanding is they use the songs to more so get across the emotions and stuff related yes uh, yes it's very well done and Rocketman also gets points for having the actors actually be singing whereas rami malik was lip-syncing for freddie mercury yeah um but enough about that let's actually talk about the movie i had actually uh, i i like to say one more thing regarding the songs yeah and that like at least for now and that's, uh, okay, I, like, feel like I probably enjoyed the songs a bit more than you did, but I definitely kind of wish they didn't reuse songs as much. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they like, reuse they, the same like, few songs a lot. Yeah, because, like, they use, like, they do Someday twice, and then, like, one of the main, like, the main zombie song, which I'm just going to refer to as Zombieland. Yeah. Like, uh, they use, like, three different times in the movie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean like that's not uncommon for musicals by any means, but like the this movie definitely overuses reprises. Hey, there funny. Nope. <laughs> yes, I would like to hear something funny actually. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's <laughs> Okay, oh, I, I told her I'd be recording something. Anyway. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I ever... Speaking of um, Someday, actually, 
the relationship between Zed and Addison is like handled so much better than like other movies like this. I think. Yeah. Because okay, like I, it feels n natural. It, uh, I will say that. Okay, I will say that I. Uh, uh, my one problem with it is that it feels like a little rushed initially. Like it feels like it skips over like part of the like part some of the initial steps. But I do at least like like. But I do like. I do like the arrangement a bit more than a lot of other movies that do the similar thing. I I agree. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so many so many movies like this, and, and um, I I w before I um saw this movie, um, a YouTuber I'm subscribed to uh by the name of Alex Myers who does a lot of videos covering these types of movies as well as like a lot of the Netflix original teen movies as well as Riverdale. That's like his big thing. Uh -huh. Um, but he did a move. He did a video on this and its sequel, um, which I really hope they add to Disney Plus at some point because I actually really want to check it out. <laughs> um, but um, uh, he a point he makes about this movie is that like so many other movies, especially on Disney Channel, uh, have a romance, but they like throughout the whole movie it's this sort of will they won't they type thing, whereas like with Addison and Zed, it they they just. They just start dating, and it's not like... And it's also not like classic... Like, the problem with classic Disney movies, where they meet, instantly fall in love, and then, like, instantly get married. Um, yeah. Like, it's, obviously, you can't really do that for a high school movie. But, like, it it feels a lot... I, apart from, you know, the fact that they just kind of instantly click... Um, it it feels a lot more natural than yeah. most uh, Disney couples. Agreed. I was very glad that they didn't do a will they won't they and then just basically started out with a yes they are. Like, mm -hmm. so just like as I mentioned, I just wish that the click wasn't quite as instant. No. I kind of wish it was like a like like they like, like they give a couple reasons why they like at least for Addison why it would be, like, a fast, visually fast click, but I feel like it would have preferred if it took slightly, just not long, not a lot longer, just slightly longer for them to be officially be together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, as as much as I do like uh, the song Someday, I, I wish they had a romantic duet called A to Z or A to Z. <laughs> like, come on, you had it right there. Um, oh man, that's a great point. I, uh, <laughs> now, now, I want, now I wish they had that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe the sequel has. I I don't think it does, but I don't know. I and there is there is speculation about a, a zombies three as well. So who knows? Um. But um. Yeah. Uh, the main thing that really, for me, sets this apart from most. Disney Channel original movies is the message behind it, which, uh, obviously, you know, it, it's a message of acceptance, uh, because, you know, the zombies are segregated, everyone's scared of them, but at the end, they learn to embrace their differences and accept each other, um, and, um, you know, that's a lot more than, like, any other Disney Channel original movie that I am aware of has in it. 
Like, I mean, High School Musical, th those movies are, are fun, but, like, they aren't really saying anything, except, I guess, like, it's okay to venture out and do new things, but, like, I don't know, um... Uh, uh, okay, uh, for that, I agree with you that I, like, I'm glad that the movie is trying to say something, I, I just feel like it isn't saying what it wants to say very well. Like, if that makes sense. Uh, um, like for for what? Okay. Okay. Uh, first part of it that I'll mention. Uh, I feel like the characters don't quite work well for getting the message across, because like basically everyone, including like the main cast, is just like kind of weak character-wise. So like them becoming accepting of zombies doesn't really mean anything because it feels like they could just flip-flop on a whim yeah yeah no that is that's fair um <clears throat> and i will say um definitely my least favorite part of this movie was the the whole thing with meg having or not meg that's her real name um <laughs> addison um addison having white hair like yeah, that's that was, stupid that was that <laughs> it's was so dumb. stupid <laughs> So dumb. <laughs> because, like, here's the thing. Like, that's kind of normal nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, like, like, she took off the wig, like, she took off the quote-unquote wig that the character, that she had, and I felt like, oh, she's just more of a teenager now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like, um... It's like that moment uh, Suicide Squad won uh, the Oscar for Best Hair and Makeup, and um, my mom's boyfriend at the time was like, how did that win? They just look like teenagers. <laughs> Which is fair. It's, that's a very fair assessment. Um, actually, using that opportunity to segue into a point that I wanted to bring up at some point, even though we're kind of stepping away from the larger point. Yeah. Uh, I Regarding hair and makeup, I really, I just, I really don't like the zombie designs for this movie. Yeah, I mean... Like, does that, okay, for, okay, uh, for everyone in the audience, assuming Noah doesn't use one of the characters in the thumbnail, just imagine a zombie in your head. Now imagine an intelligent zombie in your head. They use nothing close to either of those designs for zombies in this movie. The zombies in this movie are people with green hair and a bunch of white makeup and even those two signature things aren't used consistently yeah um, like i noticed like, a bunch of scenes where like they like a bunch several characters had like wildly varying amounts of the makeup on and like several scenes where like i it was really obvious that they didn't even bother dyeing a lot of people's hair or like didn't dye it very well at the very least like like the dad like Zed's dad, for example, mm. he's supposed to have, like, the bright green hair like everyone else, like, all the other zombies, but, like, it is really hard to tell that it's supposed to be green in so many scenes, because it just looks like the guy's normal hair color. Yeah. It's barely green in, like, a lot of shots. Yeah. And, I, and I'm pretty sure, okay, and then also, uh, in the, okay, for, going back to the makeup part, in the scene where Zed is catching, like, at the pep rally scene when Zed catches Allison in a speech that causes him to be put on the football team. I swear, like, 
in this in the shot where he was like turning to face like was it the crowd or someone someone speaking whoever I could just I could swear that he wasn't they didn't bother putting the makeup back on for that scene because knew that his face wouldn't be visible like they needed to reshoot it for whatever reason but didn't want to bother putting the makeup back on and just figured oh his skin's white enough no one will notice <laughs> his skin's white enough. That reminds me of a joke, actually, from uh, Alex Myers. I believe it's his video on the second movie. Because um, uh. there's a comment in that where, like, there, there's a part in that where Zed gets a vanilla ice cream cone, even though there's so many other flavors available. And he's like, uh. what? I like vanilla. And then Alex Myers is like, I mean, yes, clearly, and shows a picture of Addison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, there are some, there is a little bit of diversity in this cast, but the people who are white are very white. <laughs> yeah, dear God. I, part, of the, part of that relates to the fact that, like, the main not-zombie community is, like, almost, like, Okay, imagine. Uh, if I can it. Do you remember? You know, have you heard of the movie Pleasantville? I love that movie, actually. Okay, yeah. The impression that I get from the designs of everyone in the non-zombie community at the beginning of the movie is that they wanted to do a Pleasantville-like aesthetic, but slightly more modern. You that that's very fair, actually. <laughs> God, I gotta watch that movie. That's a, that's a really good movie and a really underrated one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, no, I don't know. I mean, uh, <clears throat> and I also feel like that going backwards in the conversation to the bigger point, I feel like that, like, I feel like the almost, like, the almost 60s nature of the community, like, also kind of, like, shoots some of the message, some of the message in the foot, because, like, it's so, un like, it's so, even though the kind of community it's kind of a parody of, it's so unreal. It's seemingly so unrealistic that it doesn't feel like the message really means much because it's saying like, "Oh yes, inclusion is better than this rigid thing that we got rid of back in the '70s." Yeah. But, but it's not like I feel like if it didn't been like just a normal ass community and then the zombie community, like it would have been like more significant or more impactful. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And also more relatable for the human side. Yeah, I do, I do um... Because, like, it's really hard to relate to... For me, at least, it's really hard to relate to most of the human characters. Well, yeah, obviously, they're... I mean, they're very exaggerated. And I think... Yeah. It, I mean, I think that is the point. Oh, um, it's definitely... Like, it's definitely intentional. Yeah. There, there are a lot of... <laughs> There are a lot of, like, moments in this... Because I was expecting this to be, like, cheesy garbage, honestly. Um, and there are some, like, very cheesy moments. Like, there's the moment... There's the there's the joke with the coach about how, like, he, you know, he, I, he wants Zed to be on the football team so that the team can be successful again. And he's like... Maybe I'll be able to get a cat, buy a house, get back with my wife, and it's like, first of all, oh, yeah. get a gym membership, turn my life around. Yeah, get a gym membership. Um, uh, <laughs> I loved that I, bit. Yeah, I think the, 
the coach was, I think, my favorite character, although I feel like they used that particular bit a bit too much. I, I think my favorite part is the fact that, like, the getting a cat is his first priority. <laughs> <laughs> that's his first priority. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> so, so there is some of that, uh, cheese in here. And there, there's definitely some cheesy moments that aren't as hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, there's definitely some, you know, moments in this film that are hit or miss. Um, I guess, um, do you have any more specifics, or do we want to go into, like, thought, final thoughts on this? Uh, I have a few more things. Hold on, I just need to be able to read my own goddamn handwriting with these oh, yeah. notes. Yeah, that's right, you take notes, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, my main hindrance towards understanding my own notes is my own goddamn handwriting. <laughs> um, oh, one thing I randomly remembered. I don't know. One thing I randomly remembered. Uh, I, I don't know why they felt the need to make zombie a language in this movie. Yeah, like, that was... like 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 any other classic horror monster, I could kind of see it, but zombies is the one where having them having their own language makes the least amount of sense. <laughs> Yeah, also, I mean, the, I mean, we didn't even, I mean, I said also, what the... Also, the language, like, looks weirdly, also, I don't know what, like, the language you, we only ever see written in, like, neon spray paint, so it's like, yeah, yeah that's another thing, and also, uh, also, like, for the irons, the language is just, like, a zombie grunts, but a language is the idea. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it, but, like, yeah. Um, also, yeah. I feel like we should mention, uh, speaking of zombie stuff that doesn't make sense, holy shit, the beginning of the movie, where the lime soda incident <laughs> is so goddamn ridiculous. It, it really is. It like, really is. And, and I mean, obviously it's meant to be, because he's like, Oh, who knew an incident involving lime soda would turn half the population into zombies? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it's clearly meant to be cheesy, but <laughs> it's so, it's, oh boy. And here's yeah. the thing, like, the, this movie does also, like, conflict itself in that regard sometimes, because, like, the whole thing with Addison's hair is played completely straight. It really, it is. <laughs> and it shouldn't it be. Is. It is. I, I mean, it, it, I feel like they were just trying so hard to, like, come up with something where, like, Addison could somehow relate to these characters. Even though, I mean, it's like, That, honestly, I mean, it her, was poorly executed. Yeah, honestly, her just having a weird, like, a weird, like, a for the town weird hobby. Her being into Dungeons and Dragons would have worked better than her having white hair for this. <laughs> Wait, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, they probably wouldn't call it Dungeons and Dragons for copyright yeah, reasons, not, but like, but, like, like that sort of thing. Yeah, that would that would actually that's a good substitute, actually. Yeah, because like. Because for one, uh, like, okay, for one, it still deviates from 
one, it still deviates from the like rest of the population of the humans in the town in a similar way, who are all like milk, toast, vanilla. Yeah. Um, two is like two. It actually adds a bit more to a characterization than just cheerleading all the time, every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, um. Oh, and there was... And, and oh. three, I forgot what number three was. Yeah, and actually, again, I so I, I like know the basic plot of Zombies 2. Basically, werewolves come into the mix. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, um, Addison is actually convinced that, um, she is actually, like, the long-lost werewolf queen or something, <laughs> and it, and there's this whole thing of, like, I always thought, like, I, I always felt like I was alone, finally I feel like I belong somewhere, and it's like, dude, you're the most popular girl in school, shut up. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh. and I and, and with the popularity based on just being you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Oh man. Oh man. I. 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 Okay. Okay. The sea Brooklyn's under an ocean of friends, so I hope zombies three and involves just like fish people. I I was thinking more in the direction of vampires, but we'll see. I mean, that was my first th thought, but then I thought, no, wait, let's go slightly more ridiculous than vampires, fish people. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> that'd just be Descendants too. Because, <laughs> Ursula, like, Ursula's daughter comes into that one, I believe is the, the plot. I, I don't know, I haven't seen any of the Descendants movies. That's another, like, uh, Disney Channel original movie I've heard is actually surprisingly good, the Descendants series. Yeah. Um, I love the concept of, like, all all the Disney villains living in a, on an island and having children. Yeah. Um, except, obviously, for a, a Disney Channel original movie making it way less adult than that sounds. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, final thoughts, I guess, on this uh, actually, movie. Actually, first oh. final, fourth final thoughts, there's one more, like, yeah, yeah. thing, like, actually a fairly notable thing in the plot that I'd like to quickly bring up, and that's the Z-Bands. Oh, yeah, we didn't even touch on that uh, at all. Yeah, so, uh, in the movie, like, the reason that these zombies aren't by constantly trying to eat everyone's brains is because all of them are, been, are wearing government mandated Z-bands, which I'm, this is not how they describe it, but I'm going to describe it this way. They, they use good vibes to calm the zombies down. Yeah, yeah it's, it's... And, like, it's, I, and I can accept that as a setup, but then late, like midway through the movie, in order to win at football... Uh, they jailbreak his Z-band so that he can be more zombie because zombies are a lot stronger when they're going crazy. And then also the 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 cheerleaders, um, like uh, like her cousin's lackeys. Her cousin is the worst character in this movie, Agreed. and he's clear. He, I mean, he's supposed to be, but like, yeah, um. <laughs> 
uh, he, he's the cheer captain. We didn't even, wow, we, we actually missed, like, a lot of specific details of this movie. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, probably because I, I was more so pointing out the positive stuff. But, like, um, yeah, like, his lackeys somehow use the one girl, the one zombie girl's computer that she used to jailbreak the Z-Band in order to corrupt the software and hack all the Z-Bands? Yeah. Oh, and also the Z-Bands can just turn the zombies into humans. If... Yeah, full humans. Which he does to hide his true form from Addison's parents. Once. Yeah, and once. And then Addison tells her to stop doing... Tells her. Tells him to stop doing it because message of movie. You know, there's actually... That raises an interesting question. What would happen if a human put one of those on and uh, swiped all the way to the right or left, whichever way, because you have to swipe to um, yeah. dial it, whatever, from zombie to human? Yeah. Um, like, what would happen if uh, a human put one of those on and dialed it all the way to zombie? Would they turn into know. a zombie? I don't know. I'm just sitting here wondering why, like in the in the universe of the movie, if zombies were initially so hated that they made, they made a giant wall between them and refused to allow, and refused to allow them to interact with other humans for a while, despite being as intelligent as humans, why they didn't just have the default setting for the Z band be turned back to human? May the yeah, I mean, they were initially human, and they had the cure for being a zombie right there, just stuck to their arms. It is possible. No it. You know what? There, there's probably some like there. There's probably some like half-handed explanation where like the only reason he was able to do that was because she jailbroke his Z-band. Yeah, but but still. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I yeah. Just, I was willing to accept the dimmer parts of the world building for this movie up until that point. Where things just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I least. see I didn't even think about all that stuff now. <laughs> now now this is affecting my view of the movie like, as because like the, as a because as a time like as like a five minute bit they undermined the entire premise of the movie. Yeah. God damn it, you're... <laughs> this is Rise of Skywalker all over again. The more I talk about this movie, the less I like it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, final thoughts before I dislike this movie anymore. Okay, um, fine, final thoughts. Uh, you know, as flawed as it is, I feel like this is one kids should see for sure. Um, because, I mean, I can't really think of a, as, as flawed as the execution is at parts, I can't think of a better executed children's film with this sort of message off the top of my head. Um, cause, cause like so many... Like, whenever kids' movies have, like, a, a, a big moral to them, it's either, like, just thrown in haphazardly at the end, or 
is way too, um, like, way too in your face about it. And I feel like, I, I mean, yes, you would probably argue this is more in your face, but I, I feel like as far as the message is handled, I feel like it's better... Like, like it, it achieves a, a fine balance in that regard, and and like it's it's got some fun moments. Um, again, we are definitely way above the target demographic. So if you are like college age, I mean, unless you want like, unless you're really into Disney Channel original movies, um. Like, I could recommend this to, like, my sister and her friends, because they still are obsessed with that stuff. Oh, God, it's been so annoying, because apparently Sophia the First is a TikTok thing now. Ah. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, uh, if parents are listening to this, um, I don't know why you would be listening <laughs> to this, but, well... Nathan, show this to your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess for my thoughts then, uh, my thoughts are a bit more complicated, I guess. Because <laughs> this is a movie that, in my opinion, has a lot of problems running throughout almost every single aspect of it. Like, I didn't even go into, like, a lot of stuff. We didn't even go into a lot here. Although we did mention, like, a number of things. Yeah. And I feel like, there's a good me like there's a good message, but I feel like the execution is bungled in an awkward way. Uh, there's interesting the premise is interesting, but they kind of like trip over themselves at points with it, like and so on and so like and so on and so forth. But so I feel like I should really hate this movie, but I can't because it's a Disney Channel original movie, <laughs> and it's just. A certain amount, like, just a certain kind of movie you expect <clears throat> to get from a Disney Channel movie, and this is probably a better version of that, but it's still very much a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, like, Disney Channel has a very specific charm to their original yeah. movies. Yeah, charm, <clears throat> yeah. So, like, it, so it was weird. This movie feels, it feels like this movie came out ten years ago, but it came out two years ago. Yeah. In that it fit, like in that it would fit in perfectly with everything that, like all the Disney Channel original movies that I was growing up with. Mm hmm And, but it came out two years ago. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it's it's nice to see that D Disney Channel does still have that charm in some of their products. Um, at least it's better than Dog with a Blog. This, this is. I'll take your word for it. But God, Dog with a true. Blog is terrible. Don't ever watch that show. I wasn't going to. But it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, God. Um. Anyways, so there's that. And normally, that would be the end of the episode. But, of course, we started with that. So we're actually now going to be going through um, the the film alphabet challenge as a whole uh and give our thoughts on all the movies in general and in relation to each other uh because i mean we've given our 
uh, general and specific thoughts about each of these movies individually, um, but we haven't really compared them much, um, except for some specific instances where they were, you know, specifically comparable. Um, Or, like, early on, like, in the film challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, with the first few movies, we were... It was easier because we didn't have as many. Um, But I actually have a list of um, all of them ranked uh, from my least favorite to favorite. Same here, actually. All right, cool. Um, So... um, It'd probably be less confusing if if we just if one of us go through our entire list and the other person go through their entire list. Uh, you want to go first or should I? Uh, I'll go first. All right. And I, like before I start, I want to say that for a lot of these movies, it was okay. For a lot of these movies, I feel like the order that I put these in could change from day to day, essentially. Yeah, definitely. Like this is definitely not a set in stone. This is how I set in stone list. Hmm. So if you talk to me, so if you ask me about this next episode, I might rank some of these movies higher, some of these lower. Yeah. But starting from the top, I guess, uh, the movie that I placed as my favorite from this was, ironically, the very first one that we watched, All the President's Men. Okay. Starting as a, because I just, like, it's a really well done movie, getting across like a, really interesting part of the United States history. And it's just, I really like the style. I really like the level of, like, really it feels like I'm actually understanding the process more and all, while also being, like, really dramatic and entertaining in its own special way. Mm-hmm. Then I've got Coco, the third one that we watched. <laughs> uh, then... I'm just okay. I'm just gonna go just straight up in order now. Uh, then Jumanji, Pulp Fiction, The King's Speech, Rocky, Vampire's Kiss, Lady Bird, Donnie Darko, and The Naked Gun was my top ten. Okay. Uh, hang on. Go. Uh, can can you go through those uh, just a little bit slowly? I'm I'm just gonna write these down just because I'm curious. Uh, nah, sure. I'm I'm gonna like compile like points to see like our average ranking. All right, cool. Uh, where did you want me to start? Uh, I got all, so all the president's men at number one. Uh, damn it! I wrote all the president's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, God. What would that even be? Oh no! I wait, that'd be the, the Bill Clinton story. <clears throat> <laughs> And I mean, I was going to say it was the American, it was the porn parody of America itself, but sure, that works. <laughs> um, Although at times America is its own porn parody of itself, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, All the President's Men, then Coco, then Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle? Yep. Okay. I, I forgot the N in Jumanji. Jumanji. <laughs> Jumanji. Jumaji 3, all the president's kiss. Uh, Alright, after after Jumanji was Pulp Fiction, correct? Yep, correct. Alright. Um, and then, uh, what was after that? 
Uh, the King's Speech. King's Speech. Okay. Then Rocky. Okay. All right. Then Vampire's Kiss. Where's the kiss? Where the kiss came from? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where it came from. <laughs> Vampire's Men. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Then Lady Bird, Donnie Darko, and Naked Gun. This is already very interesting to me. Uh, 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 so go through the rest of your list now. Then I had The Founder, The Irishman, The Mask, The Alice, which is a joke nobody's going to get at the time this goes up, because that episode of Paper Mario isn't going up for quite some time. <laughs> uh, after the Mask? Gold. Alright. Extremely Wicked. Yeah, I'm not writing that whole title. Yeah, I also just realized that I wrote the title down wrong. I had it written as Extremely Wicked, Incredibly Wicked in the bio. <laughs> extremely <laughs> Wicked, Incredibly Wicked, and Wicked. Yeah, I wish I'd written it that way, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm changing it on my list to be that. All the Presidents, Extremely Wicked, Incredibly <laughs> Wicked, and Wicked Kiss. <laughs> the Files of Police Squad. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> anyway. The king's pulp. Donny Bird. I want to believe. Anyway. <laughs> I like how we're just doing the bit I did for the two episodes where we... Uh, marathon some movies where I just combine <laughs> titles. Like I had Jumanji King's Lady Mask and then uh, Na Naked Ocean's Pulp Quantum. <laughs> anyway, after Extremely Wicked. Uh, it, actually in the, it actually was X-Files, I want to believe. Alright. So I accidentally, I accidentally almost got back on track. Alright. Then Under the Skin. Her. Quantum of Solace. Zombies. Wonder Park. You good? Uh. Yeah, I, I just realized I could have just been writing the first letter of each one. This that is. Since this is an alphabet challenge, that would have sufficed. <laughs> anyway, after Wonder and Park? Then, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Taxi Driver. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yes Man. And Burn After Reading. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, wow, this is this is gonna be interesting, uh, given <laughs> our 
uh, rankings, because I, I have a very different list than you. <laughs> well, like I said, it could, like, tomorrow I'd probably reorder this list, honestly. Uh, yeah, but even still, like, I doubt you're going to reorder it to, uh, fit the way I have mine ordered, <laughs> because... Okay, so I'm I'm actually gonna go in reverse order, um, and talk a little. And I I'm personally gonna talk a little bit more about why I've ranked these the way I've ranked them. Um, uh, my least favorite, Quantum of Solace. Oh God, I <laughs> see. I probably would have liked it better if I had seen Casino Royale. Um. But, like, this movie is just, oh, God, the, I mean, that first action scene, all the action scenes in this are infuriating to watch. Yeah. And then the plot around it was boring, and you're wasting really good actors. Um, <laughs> and, and then the guy, the, the main villain is just terrible, um, yeah, no, this this was infuriating to watch um for me. And then at uh at number 25, I have gold. Um I you know, there's some elements of good in this. I like the third act for the most part, but I just I mean, this was in a weird like we had a long stretch, we well, a three movie stretch of I mean, and really, we've watched a lot of movies in this Film Alphabet Challenge that are just about real-life terrible men or about yeah. fictional terrible men. Um, all the terrible men. <laughs> um, and we started with Nixon! <laughs> of course. Um... Yeah, and this this one was just I I just wasn't as this this was uh one of one of the least interesting for me and again I there there are things I did not want to see a fat McConaughey do that I saw a fat McConaughey do <laughs> um and then uh at number twenty four I have burn after reading uh. Again, yeah, this movie is mostly terrible, but I really do find that third act third act interesting. I wish there was more of that throughout the rest of the film, um, but I'll take what I can get. Um, at number 23, I have The Irishman. I, I, I like this a lot less than you. Um, uh -huh. And, like, I, I mean, I'm clearly missing something with Scorsese. Again, I want to check out some other Scorsese films, but, like, this one just, I mean, I, it's three and a half hours long, and it just <laughs> feels like there's not much to it in that three and a half hours. Um... And then at number 22, I have Taxi Driver. Again, Scorsese back-to-back -back here. Um, and, um... The, I mean, the real reason... Like, I could have flipped Taxi Driver and Irishman. 
Um, the real re I mean, the main reason I I didn't I I put Taxi Driver above Irishman is because it, well, two things: a Jodie Foster's performance, um, and b um. If uh, this movie didn't exist, we probably wouldn't have Joker. Ah. So that that's my reasoning for that. Um, then I have Ocean's Eleven. This movie's fine. A uh, little confusing, little boring at parts, but good cast. Um, and again, I feel conflicted on that ending. I don't know whether to love it or hate it. Um, and now I, I now I just really want to check out. Um, Robin and the Six Hoods, I believe it is, because it's got like half the cat. It's got Frank Sinatra. It's got I, I apologize, but I forget the name of the black guy. Um, it's got um, it's got one of the other main guys. It's also got Bing Crosby, who's not in Ocean's Eleven. But the main reason I want to check that out is because a it's a crime musical, which intrigues me, and also I realized that my favorite. One of my favorite Family Guy bits is from that movie. Because uh, there's an episode of Family Guy where Peter and Brian are forced to go to AA. Um, and then, like, basically, they, they convert the AA into a, a speakeasy and everyone's drinking alcohol. And then Joe, who's a cop, um, ends up coming by... And then they put on this elaborate musical number, which I've now learned is from Robin Hood and the Six or Robin and the Six Hoods, uh, called Mister Booze, <laughs> and it is hilarious. It's, it's it's like legitimately good in the original movie too, but like, um, because I watched the scene from the original movie, I haven't seen the whole movie, but um, anyway, off topic. Um, then at twenty, I have Wonder Park, um. And, like, again, this movie has elements of good to it. Um, <clears throat> basically, while I, when I went through this film alphabet challenge, I, like, put a little mark uh, next to um, each movie uh, to help me w um, better figure out my rankings. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, plus means I liked it or loved it overall a wavy line means it, it was like i liked it a little bit um or like it was like half good or mostly good with some noteworthy flaws or ba basically like most of the wavy line ones are ones i was fine with but would probably never watch again uh. um and then like a minus mark for movies I definitely didn't like. And Wonder Park is the best of the ones I definitely didn't like. Um, mostly because of John Oliver. <laughs> uh, he, he, he really stands out in what is a completely disorganized, um, while still being by-the-numbers movie. Like, it is the most disorganized generic movie ever. <laughs> um, it really is. 
And then going into uh, the movies that I was, like, fine with but probably wouldn't watch again. At 19, I have Yes Man. Again, I like this a lot more than you. Um, yeah, mostly just the second half. I agree the first half is mostly terrible. Um, but I, I do like a lot of the stuff in the second half. Um, and that just pushed it over the edge for me. Um, then I have uh, The X-Files I Want to Believe. This is another Quantum of Solace case where I would probably like this movie a lot more had I actually been more familiar with X-Files. Um, ah. But it's, I mean, it's better. It's a lot better than Quantum of Solace, in my opinion. Ah. Um, and, I mean, it just, like... It, but I forgot. It's mostly forgettable for me. Like, it's it's not bad, but, like, I, it's not really noteworthy for me. Uh, Seventeen, oddly enough, the first movie that you and I have at the exact same ranking, Under the Skin. Um, um, it won't be the only one, I assure you, but uh, uh -huh. it is the first one that we have at the same rate, the same exact ranking. Um, this movie's really weird, makes you really uncomfortable, but it is very well done, and Scarlett uh. Johansson gives a great performance, um, and, you know, there's some other good qualities, <laughs> um, and I'm just gonna leave it at that, um, although we'll probably come back to Under the Skin in a bit, cause I- I will, I, uh, because of something. Um, uh, at number 16, I have The Founder. Um, again, another one in that stretch of movies about terrible men. But this one's pretty good. Uh, it's yeah. Michael Keaton. Um, it made me just hate McDonald's, even though immediately after watching it, I got McDonald's. <laughs> It just made me sad about McDonald's. Yeah, it made me really like, sad. I think about this movie and that I'm sad about the fast food industry. Yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton gives a great performance. So nice. It used to be so nice, and now it's this. Yeah. Um. And, uh, but I will say, this movie has probably the best line of any of these movies. <laughs> Which is, that's pure dick magic right there. <laughs> Which, I know, it's the name of the guy, but out of context, it's beautiful. It, it um, really is. Uh, at number 15, another one we have in the exact same ranking, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Uh, again, that stretch of, like, movies about terrible people... Um, but, I mean, this one is super compelling, um, Zac Efron makes you feel for Ted Bundy, which is really weird, yeah. um, but, I mean, he gives a phenomenal performance. I'm surprised that, like, I guess maybe they didn't, like, meet all the Oscar qualifications, but I'm surprised Netflix didn't push for this to be an Oscar contender, honestly. Yeah. I could have definitely seen at least a nomination for Zac Efron. Yeah, really. Of course, we... I mean, this was a year of a lot of really good 
male leading performances. So I don't even know if he would have gotten a nomination, even if they did push for it. But, um, very good. Um, then I have Donnie Darko, uh, you know, a bit lower than you have it, but I still really like this movie. Um, Uh it made me upset at the end. It, it, it messed me up. Um, but I mean, it was very well executed. Another great leading man performance. We had, we had a lot of movies with like really good lead male performances. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is phenomenal in this. Um, and it's very creepy, um, but in a good, cool way. Um, and then, and then I have Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> the only reason is it is this high is because when I am watching the movie, I am enjoying it for the most part. The more I talk about it, the more I hate it. So we're just not going to talk about it. Um, but like, if you just go into this movie, don't think about it. And also take a bathroom break when Chewbacca's revealed to be alive. It's 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 fun. It's fun. Um, uh, if you don't engage with the movie and you specifically miss part of the movie, it's a great movie. <laughs> anyway, we weren't going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, at number twelve, I have zombies. Uh, um. Again, I I liked this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and uh, I, I genuinely think like this, this is a good movie that like, I, again, it's not perfectly executed, but people with kids should show their kids this movie. Um, I think, um, at number 11, I have Rocky just barely not cracking the top 10, um, I just remember that in the movie, Addison wins over the hacker zombie by just calling her pretty. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, Rocky, uh, of course, it, it's a classic for a reason. Um, it's very well done on such a low budget, um, uh-huh. for sure. Sylvester Stallone, again... It, might be great in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I honestly can't tell if he's giving a good performance or not. <laughs> um, I think he is, considering he won an Oscar for it, but who knows. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's good. It's, it's very good. Um, and then at number 10, I have the King's Speech. Um, God, this movie, I mean, like, this one best picture, and this is a best picture winner that I know, like, in retrospect, a lot of people are not happy with this one winning best picture, which, I mean, like, it's great, like, I, I don't get why people, um, are not huge fans of this winning best picture. I mean, to be fair, it was the same year as Inception, so, Uh and The Social Network, um, Uh So, that's probably why. But, like, this film is great in its own right. Good performances from Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, 
um, Helena Bonham Carter. Um, it's, it's, I like this one a lot more than I thought it would, actually. Um, even though, of course, it won Best Picture. It, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, it's a shame the same director did Cats. Um, <laughs> at number nine, I have The Mask. Uh, this is definitely objectively worse than a lot of the films I've already gone over. But, like, this one's just so fun, and Jim Carrey is the most Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey yeah. he's ever carried. Um, <laughs> and it's just so fun. And Cameron Diaz is surprisingly good in this. Um, uh, and, you know, the effects look cheesy today, but, I mean, they kind of were supposed to back then. Um huh? I mean, this is just a fun, a fun little romp. Um, then I have The Naked Gun. Um, I miss comedies from this era so much. <laughs> um, obviously, Naked Gun is another one of those comedies that is regarded as a classic, but would never be made today. Um, uh. But, I mean, Leslie Nielsen is just a comedic genius. And, of course, the guys who, who actually made the movie, same guys behind Airplane, enough said there. Um, <laughs> God, the 80s were really just... This was 80s, right? Uh, I feel like... I don't want to shoot on. myself in the foot by accidentally saying it's 80s when it's 70s, but... Naked Gun. Yeah, 80s. Sorry, the 80s. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean... The 80s were really the best decade for comedies, in my opinion. Um, and it shows here, for sure. Um, I mean, same decade as Spaceballs, Ghostbusters. Um, there's actually a movie I saw for the last, for, last night for the first time uh, called The Money Pit, which is extremely underrated and is on Netflix if any of you want to check it out. Um, a very good Tom Hanks comedy there. Um, and then I have Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, this is way better than it had any right to be. Um, Agreed, yeah. the cast is just phenomenal. Um, especially Jack Black. Um, it's just, I mean, they, they, and honestly, it, it greatly outshines the original, I think. Because, like, that original has not aged very well, unfortunately. Uh. But, um, I mean, this film basically took what everyone assumed to be a dead franchise and revitalized it for a new generation. This is the way to do it, guys. Um, that said, not as big of a fan of the sequel. Um... And I know we're going to get a third one, but, eh. Um, uh, at number six, I have her, which obviously <laughs> Jacob and I feel very different about. Um, yeah, our placements are about 12 apart from each other, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because I have it number at number six, and you have it at, like, 
18. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the biggest difference, except for maybe gold? No, gold's not that big of a difference. Um, oh, where'd you put Rise of Skywalker again? Uh, at number 13. Okay, yeah, so it'd still be slightly larger. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Obviously, you know, film is subjective. Uh, um, except we can both agree burn after reading sucks. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> um, and also sorry, one guy that I saw on Reddit. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but no, I, I think her is wonderfully inventive. Um, it's, it's a super creative, uh, romance story, um, with great performances from both Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, and all the big stars that just show up for, like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Amy Adams, Chris Pratt, yeah. Olivia Wilde, like, the director himself as that little alien guy who's like, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. It's, it's, I think it's very creative. Uh, and, uh, just to spite Jacob, I, I would like to point out that, um, Syncast recently finished their, um, like, best of the decade bracket, and this was in top eight. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Okay, well, I don't, okay, I can't remember what I said in the, in the show episode, but right now I don't think it's a bad movie. It was just definitely not a movie for me. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it was not a kind of movie that I enjoyed. I get, I, I get that. I, I, I just wanted to be an ass and point that out. <laughs> um, and then at number five, I have Vampire's Kiss. Um, <laughs> I, I was really struggling as to where to put this movie. But I ultimately decided it's a masterpiece and put it at number five. Because <laughs> goddamn is it enjoyable. I mean, it's terrible, but it's also amazing. It's so weird. Like, everyone should see this movie. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is j I mean, he just sells it somehow. It's... I fucking it, I, it's unexplainable like it, it shouldn't work like in 99 percent of universes this movie shouldn't work but it does somehow it works and then immediately above it i have pulp fiction <laughs> <laughs> um same ranking as yeah. you as well um pulp fiction it's easy to see why this film is regarded as one of the best films of all time I mean, I feel like the reason we both have it at number four is, is that it is mostly amazing, but there's some stuff that neither of us really like in it. There's some really bad stuff in there that, I mean, I get that that's the point, but also I don't like a white director slash writer casting himself as a character who in his own writing says the n-word with a hard r multiple times i mean i was going to bring up the rape scene but that too there's that too for <laughs> sure but yeah um and then at number three i have all the president's men huh 
Um, I think this is probably, objectively speaking, the best film we've watched for this challenge. Um, certainly the closest to a perfect film uh, as far as its production, the casting, the acting, the script. It's just all fantastic. The reason I have one and two where they are is just for personal reasons, essentially. Um, at number two, I have Coco, another agreement there. Um, Coco, I mean, it's easily one of my top five favorite Pixar movies, which is saying a lot because most of their movies are masterpieces. Yeah. And this one definitely is. Um, honestly, the only reason I didn't put this at number one is because it does rely on some cliches in the first act. But, I mean, it it later, like, turns those back around on their heads, and it's wonderfully inventive. The It's beautifully animated. Uh, some, like, Miguel and Hector are both fantastic characters, um, and there, there is so much to love about this movie. The music is so good. It just, every, everything about this movie is great. Uh, but my number one is Lady Bird. Um, there's just, it's, it's so hard to find a movie that is, like, wonderfully unique while also being painfully real and this movie for me just has that perfect combination it's not like anything else i've ever watched i mean like greta gerwig is a phenomenal director and writer and will win an oscar before i die i swear to god um um, so will Saoirse Ronan for acting, because she, I mean, she is the best young actress we have right now, honestly. Um, Timothy Chalamet, he's gonna win an Oscar, too, before I die. Lucas Hedges. Um, there's so many phenomenal young performers in this movie that all shine. Uh, you've got Beanie Feldstein as the best friend. Um, you've got, I mean, an older actor, obviously, but Laurie Metcalf, um, is phenomenal as the mother, uh, and it's just, like, it's, it's such a beautiful movie, and this is the one I rewatched immediately before recording this, uh, podcast episode, um, because I just wanted to see it again to reaffirm my feelings, and yeah, they were reaffirmed. And there was even some little stuff I uh, noticed in that in this second viewing that I didn't notice um, the first time. And this is also, I should add, the first one of these movies that I have watched a second time. So, there's that. Um... Oh, no, wait. Rise of Skywalker. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it! I saw that shit twice. <laughs> but, again, I mean... Um... Anyway. Uh... I, whatever. Yeah. Lady Bird is my number one. 
for sure. Um, and now, while we still have a little bit of time, uh, first of all, I, I um, going back to Under the Skin for a second, now you read the book for your class. Yeah, I read the book. Um, thoughts on how this film adapts it? Oh, right. Oh, right. Ah. We did. We didn't get around to that. I forgot. I forgot we didn't get around to that. Yeah, because you had just started reading it by the time we talked about this movie. Yeah. Or something like that. Okay, so uh, I will say that I think I at least mentioned. I think I may have at least mentioned this part. Uh, Under the skin, the book is a lot different than Under the Skin, the movie. Yeah. Like it still keeps some like storyline points. Like it's still like about a woman who's an alien disguised as a human going around and then picking up and kidnapping humans and vans for food and stuff. But it was like a lot of the details are just like, and also still place, it also still takes place in Scotland, but a lot of the details are just a lot different. Uh, for one, like you get a lot, like the character, like the book is told mostly from her character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Damn it, I remember, also we get the name of the character, where, which I wish I remembered, but I can't... I don't remember them Iserly. giving her a name in Iserly. the movie. In the book, the main character's name is Iserly. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think they gave her a name in the movie. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it takes place, like, from Iserly's... Mostly from Iserly's perspective, so you get a lot of her internal monologue, you get a lot of, a much stronger sense of what her character's like than in the movie where everything's left a lot more vague in a lot of places. Uh, the look of the character is also a lot different because, okay, there's a plot point in the book where uh, the aliens that are going around kidnapping the humans look aren't even humanoid, so they have to, so I really had to go through a lot of like dramatic surgery in order to have a humanoid enough appearance that she could go around pretending to be a human picking up hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that involves like she wears like glasses that are like or she wears glasses that are like really big, like comically big and seem comically powerful to disguise the fact that her eyes are actually a lot larger than a human's eyes are supposed to be. And she has like scars over her body, which involves like her wearing specific kinds of clothing. And uh, other details. I uh, keep talking. Uh, I gotta uh, go out for a second. Okay. Other details are very specific. Uh, also, uh, they keep it. Also, they give it a lot more. Uh, uh, can you hear me at all? No, or are you just. Okay, well. Uh, also, more detail. In the book, uh, I certainly drives around just a car instead of a, a large white panel van, which is less conspicuous. Which is definitely a lot less conspicuous because, like, they make deliberate efforts in the book to try and seem less conspicuous. Because, like, instead of just like having their base be in random houses that aren't being be consistently the same house, it's a, a particular farm in the base, like, and the base where they're doing the harvesting and stuff is stuck underneath the ground. Also, uh, when they can have the alien, they can have the humans. Uh, instead of just dipping them in a pool of vaguely liquid, uh, they basically force them into a human form. A what? Up, but, okay, so in 
the movie, like when ideally kidnapped Siemens, they just like basically like gets them to just walk into to submerge themselves in this weird liquid that occasionally just pops one of them. And in the book, it's more like an actual farm, but it's humans instead of cows. Ah. So, like, they bring them there, they force-feed them so they get fat, so they have a lot of, like, meat to eat, because in the book, they're selling the human meat for commercial profits. Mm -hmm. And other gruesome stuff. Also, there's like, I'm just gonna, okay, I'm, I am just listing differences at this point, but I'm just gonna keep doing that a little bit. Uh, additionally, words. Oh, oh, uh, one thing that we had a problem with in the movie was the fact that the other aliens weren't really fleshed out much at all. They do a lot better, they flesh them out a lot better in the book. Yeah, that makes sense that yeah, that would fall to the wayside like, in a film adaptation. <laughs> Yeah, as more of them, you get a stronger sense of what they're all doing, what their purpose is. A lot of them have, like, way more characterization than most of the characters in the movie put together. In terms of, like, clear, this is how they're like, this is what they do kind of stuff. Hmm. All right. I guess also an extra alien that was not at all referenced in the movie that essentially is an animal rights activist that comes to their place to just pause the ruckus and just ask everyone philosophical questions until they stop doing what they're doing. Huh. So, Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sure. Sure. Oh, man. Oh, man, if they ever... Wait! No! This is being made into a TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh. I just remember that that was a thing that was announced. Oh, my God. Get Joaquin Phoenix to play that character, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also this, like, nice stuff where, like, they focus on more, like, the alien's relationship to the human environment because there's a thing <laughs> in the book where they establish that the world that the aliens come from is just completely fucked environmentally so every time like an alien comes to earth to work on the job they get memorized by all the nature that's everywhere hmm gotcha yeah yeah huh. and yeah a lot, lot of interesting uh stuff in there i guess yeah uh, like the book like like if you like if you liked under the skin but wish you could understand what the hell was going on and also wanted more like themes and stuff like the book's pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually now am kind of interested in reading that book. Also, I'm interested to see how uh, the TV show uh, will adapt all that stuff. Because, I, cause, I mean, a TV show provides more yeah. opportunity to flesh that stuff out. Yeah. Oh, oh and then one more thing. in the, for the Another thing for the book is that they pull a little bit more of, like, uh, in the movie, like, this isn't real. as far as I remember, this isn't really, like, brought up at all, but they play a little bit more of, like, Eisley is just, like, general hatred of everyone she's working with. Mm. Because, like, she, like, like, she just, like, throughout the book, like, you get, like, she makes clear that she just, she is not a fan of everyone she's working with, partly because, uh, 
she is in a weird position in terms of class in her society, where she was in a higher class, but then she was booted down into the lower class, like, in a sort of a betrayal thing. So she hates people from basically all walks of her life, because the higher class is raised to, like, look down on everyone below them, and then she, after her betrayal, she then hated everyone in the higher class, so she kind of has a general aggression towards everyone around her. Yep. Fair. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask about regarding Under the Skin, did you find any more gems in those notes? Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sad that, unfortunately, most of the gems that I found, like, while I was just looking through the book, and for the episode of the podcast, were also most of the gems that were noticeable in there. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, I wish there were more, but, like, uh. yeah. A lot more of them were just like weird. Oh, why did they feel the need to write that down? It's kind of obvious. They didn't really need to make notes and yeah. underlining at interesting points and and stuff. Yeah. I yeah. I just imagined the guy sad. like. It's still my favorite. Like I, I, I just imagine, like you saying, like the person like wrote a lot of stuff that was just kind of obvious. I just imagine like, uh, the the scene in the book that w whatever matches um the scene in the movie where she's looking at herself in the mirror, uh, and he and the the person who wrote those notes just writing, hot. <laughs> Sorry. I, I swear, that's my last scene. comment on Scarlett Johansson being okay. naked. I will say, there is a scene kind of like... Not, not kind of like that. There is not a scene quite like that in the book, but there is just like a... Because, like, for one, her body is a lot more scarred, and she has a more, like, self-conscious body thing throughout the novel. Mm. So, like, her just looking at herself in the mirror like that would be a bit out of, like, would be out of character for the book version of Rise really. Gotcha. Yeah. And second, like... She doesn't really see her human form as, or like she sees humans as animals, and thus, her her surgically made human form as just like a really low, terrible thing. So goes with that. Anyway, the book's good. Check it out if it sounds interesting at all. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's real. yeah, that's really interesting. I would, uh, now kind of like to check out that book, uh, so I, I am curious about that stuff. Um, yeah, uh, and, uh, now for, for the last, uh, little bit of the episode, I thought it'd be fun to give the movies little awards if, if uh, we can think, like, basically, I mean... Like, some of these could be, like, Oscar-esque awards, uh, but some of them uh -huh. could just be, like, fun, uh, dumb awards. Uh, but I figured we'd start with, you know, the performances, because we've seen a lot of really good performances in these movies. Uh, so I thought it'd be cool to give awards for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. Um, and I think I have... My answers for three out of the four. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have answers for a couple of them. Um, for, 
for supporting actor and actress. Um, I, I mean, for best supporting actor, I, I feel like it's a no brainer. Samuel L. Jackson, man, in yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. He is, I mean, he was robbed of an Oscar. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie with the there. guy who won, but like, god damn, that he's so good in Pulp Fiction. Um, as for Best Supporting Actress, this is one I uh, debated between, um, but, oh, God, no, oh, God, I'm, I'm actually conflicted on this one, because I'm debating between Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird and Scarlett Johansson and her, um... I think I, I think I have to give it to Scarlett Johansson, honestly, because, like, she, she brings so much to that role with it being only her voice. Huh? Um, and gives so much emotion to this, like, you know, thought-to-be-emotionless entity. Yeah. Um, and that's really something, uh, for sure. Um... Well, okay, for best supporting actress, I, I think I'd have to give it to, I think probably the character whose name I already forgot from Lady Bird, uh, the the one you mentioned, I think. Laurie Metcalf, the mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I be, oh, shit, I keep forgetting if she actually won the Oscar for it. I think she did. I. So you have a you have a better idea than I do. Yeah, I think I think that's the one Oscar Lady Bird won, unfortunately. Um uh I'm a I'm going to search that up quick. Um uh as for best lead actress, I got to give it to Saoirse Ronan and Lady Bird. There's just no question about it for me. Same same here. She I mean she just is phenomenal and i mean she will win an oscar one of these days yeah. realistically like she should have won for little women um yeah. but yeah you, you know hollywood loves them biopics even though they refuse to nominate <laughs> taron edgerton for rocket man even though he definitely should have been nominated i mean i know he wouldn't have beat walking phoenix but he at least should have gotten a nomination sorry <laughs> Um, yeah, as for best actor, oh, best actor is so tough in, in this group of movies. Oh, shit, Lady Bird didn't win any Oscars. That, mm, I'm mad at that. <laughs> I'm so mad at that. Um... Laurie Metcalf was nominated. I think she might have won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. But, no, yeah, should have won. Um, best Actor is so tough. Who would you give Best Lead Actor to? Okay, this one. Okay, this one's tough for me because when you're going off of conventional metrics, like, there's so many that are just so, like, there's so many, like, actors that did great jobs in these movies that it feels unfair to give it to any single one of them because they all, like, did so well individually. But I think, if I'm just, but I think, 
if we're just talking about in general, best, like, who did the best job for the movie, I have to give it to Nicolas Cage, honestly. <laughs> because that movie does not work without, like, he holds that movie up and throws it in the air and screams so loud that it goes into the atmosphere somehow. That did not make any sense. But yeah, then again, I, I, gig, I completely get what you're saying, though. Um, oh, God. This is so tough. Okay. Like, it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't win an Oscar or a typical award, like, for... Oh, yeah. For no, it definitely wouldn't. ...normal situation, but it's just... It's... It makes the movie... Yeah, it... And it makes the movie so well. It's so weird. I have to how, give it to him. Yeah, it, it is weird how that works. Um, but, um... Oh, God. Yeah, no, I definitely considered Nicolas Cage for this. Um... Oh God! See, here's the thing. Uh, if we if we did this like if this were the Golden Globes, these categories would be separated into best actor for a drama and best actor for a musical or comedy. And I gotta recognize both of those. I think. I mean, I can't. Unfortunately, um, like uh, Lady Bird was considered by the Golden Globes to be a comedy. Um, <laughs> which, which I mean, it definitely has comedic. It's it's definitely a dramedy. Um, but, um, yeah, if we were going by that metric, um, I would say best actor for musical or comedy? Oh, God, it's really, that one's a toss-up between Jim Carrey and the Mask and, uh, Leslie Nielsen and Naked Gun for me. I think I gotta give it to Leslie Nielsen just because of his comedic timing is just, I mean, there are two very different types of comedy. Jim Carrey's the whole zany out there and Leslie Nielsen is very like deadpan um and I feel like deadpan comedy is harder to pull off well and Leslie Nielsen is a master at it so I gotta give it yeah. to him in that regard as for best actor in a drama I'd probably give it mm, Zach Efron extremely wicked I have to I was considering Jake Gyllenhaal yeah, but, like, I mean, Zac Efron made Ted Bundy... He made me Likeable. feel for Ted Bundy, which is I, not a... Not... It's, it's, it's not a good it's thing, not, but it's, It's not a like, good thing, but it's impressive that he pulled it off. Yeah, exactly. So well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, he definitely... I, I guess by that metric, if I were to then give a, an award to Best Leading Actress for a drama, won't go for the supporting ones because they... Uh, already separate those, or they don't separate those for supporting. Um, but mm, given what we're working with, I'd pro probably go with Scarlett Johansson for Under the Skin in that regard. Because um, right. we didn't have a lot of um, movies. We, we didn't have a lot of dramatic movies with female leads. Yeah. Like, the only other real option would be Daisy Ridley in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> well, I... Okay, I guess I know, Dana like, Scully. Like, she doesn't do a terrible job, but she isn't given a lot of good stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, no, she argue. she does the best with what she has. For sure. Um... Yeah. Um... Uh... And then I'm just I'm just trying to think. Um, oh, uh, I, this one this one might be 
obvious given our rankings, but like best adapted and best original screenplays. Um, I mean, obviously for, for adapted all presidents men. Yeah, for best adapted all the presidents men for sure. Um, for so best kind of adapted from yeah for life, for best original. Well, it's suddenly since the characters like like people the movie is based off of wrote a book. Yeah, yeah, it's based on a book. It, it book. won Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars, okay. so. Okay, so I guess they're qualifying it for the book. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really weird, the clarification, because, yeah. like, Green Book was based on real events, too, but it was original screenplay, so. Yeah. Um, Man, I gotta, I gotta look into the, like, because, like, Woodworth, at least, has, been, has done books on basically every president since Nixon, as I know. I'm yeah. curious to see, like, what that guy like? What that guy's thoughts on like were on like everyone since? Yeah. Um. He's been around. He's been in the middle of some interesting like presidential stuff in history. Yeah. Um. As for best original, for me it would definitely be a toss up between Lady Bird and Pulp Fiction. I'm probably gonna give it to Lady Bird because you're probably gonna give it to Pulp Fiction, so I might as well yeah. spread the love. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say best original song too, but I mean I feel like that's obviously "Remember Me" from Coco. <laughs> Agreed. Um. Although in this group, someday from Zombies would get a nomination on my in in my heart. <laughs> um. Mostly because like not a lot of these movies have original songs. Yeah. There's yeah. the Moon song in her. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think of other, like, can you think of other, like, funny awards we could give, or more serious awards we could give out? Well, funny awards, obviously, best quote goes to the founder. Oh, yeah, for, that's pure dick magic right there, obviously. Yeah. Such a, oh, man. I, I would also like to say, if... If we had separated supporting actor and actress, if the Golden Globes supported are separated supporting actor and actress into uh, comedy and musical and director or not not director drama categories, obviously Sam L. Jackson gets the drama, but I would hands down give com best supporting role in a comedy to Jack Black. Yeah, he yeah. he 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 just kills it in that. Um, yeah. Then for best hour and a half long version of a t of a daily TV of a weekly TV show, X Files. <laughs> uh, nah, man, I gotta give it to Naked Gun. <laughs> All right, because yeah, <laughs> that is based on a TV show. <laughs> I forgot it. Well, I forgot about that. Damn it. Um. Ooh, here's an interesting one. So we know Under the Skin is being made into a TV show. Huh? Um, which of these movies would you be most... And Wonder Park sometime, I guess. Um, uh, what? Which of these movies would you be most interested to see turned into a TV show? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. Because it's like... Because like some of them are off because like they've already like they already have been or are already going to be turned yeah. into a show. Yeah. Like the mask got a cartoon. Yeah. 
Um, although it'd be interesting to see a more modern adaptation. I, I would like to see another mask. Well, I don't know if I would, actually, because who would do it better than Jim Carrey? <laughs> um, question. Unless they went in a completely darker direction like the comics like if they went fully yeah. r-rated that that'd be interesting you'll actually well, now i know what they want now i know what, what i want them to do for deadpool 3 and now we're gonna have a long adaptation of the death battle episode <laughs> yeah i mean that'd be a nightmare with rights but um oh what's this what is this hang on i gotta check oh wait Oh, oh, good. Oh, good. They redirected. They they did forward my Mother's Day gift to my mom to this house. Because I accidentally had it delivered to my dorm room. Ah. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's good. Okay. She knows what it is, yeah. but yeah. Oh, I'm very glad that came. Uh, I got. I actually got her a, um, a four-film DVD pack that includes uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That was the main draw because she wanted to own that movie. Um, uh, Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and Cool Hand Luke as well. Ah. Uh, so. Um. Yeah. Um. Most interesting to turn into a TV show. You know what? Ooh. This might be a weird answer, but I would love to see a Pulp Fiction TV show. That could be interesting. Given its like non-linear structure, that could be they they could have fun with that. Yeah. Oh man, I could. Yeah, actually, that could be that could, that be, could really be really interesting. Like, well, not even necessarily. I don't know if they necessarily use the same characters because like a yeah, lot of them yeah. Where they well, I could definitely see Quentin episode, Tarantino like doing a TV show. Yeah. Because yeah, I know like, he's like, talked about doing like spinoffs of his other movie. Because apparently, like. Like a bunch, because I believe Reservoir Dogs takes place in the same universe, technically. Oh yeah, like I, a like the thing of like a bunch of the Tarantino movies technically taking place in the same universe. Yeah, and like, like John, like I know John Travolta's character Vincent Vega has a brother in one of the other movies. I think it's Reservoir Dogs, and like for a long time, Quentin Tarantino wanted to do a Vega Brothers movie, but eventually it didn't happen just because the actors are too old now. Because uh, he wanted... Could, well, obviously, he would have to make it a prequel because Vincent Vega's dead. <laughs> um, um... Ooh! Best death scene! Ooh, what would be the best death scene? I mean, there's not a ton to choose from, I guess. There... I mean, there's some comedic ones in Jumanji... Um, can I, can I list, uh, the Rise of Skywalker as a whole for the death of my passion for Star Wars? <laughs> oh, oh, that's sad, but yes. <laughs> um, also, for, also, just like, to quickly finish off of TV shows, like, I guess I like to put one, I guess I put zombies, not necessarily because I'd like to see it turn into a TV show, but just because it feels like it is a TV show. Yeah, yeah, no, that would definitely probably transition the most smoothly into TV. Yeah. Even more smoothly than Wonder Park. Oh, even more, by a, by a lot. By a long shot. <laughs> that, I mean, that TV, I'm starting to think that TV show's never gonna happen. I, 
I'm just I'm more Which is weird for Nickelodeon because usually they don't care. They huh? don't care whether a TV show is a good idea. They'll do it regardless. <laughs> um but like it's really starting to feel like that Wonder Park show isn't happening because <laughs> there's been like no news on it. There's been zero news on it. There's a trailer that is poorly animated on the DVD for Wonder Park. But that's it. They never even aired the commercial on TV from what I can tell. And also, that plot synopsis <laughs> is quite possibly completely fabricated. <laughs> um. Oh, God. Oh, God. Best death scene... No, actually, um, the end of Extremely Wicked, the Hacksaw, ah. Hacksaw, that moment for best death scene for me. Uh, that, is, that is a good moment. That is, oh god, um, yeah, um, uh, I, I would also consider the end of Donnie Darko because of how much that fucked me up. And then I would also, like, for a more serious one, consider the ending of, like, the villain death from Naked Gun, just because it's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> My father went out the same way. Um. <laughs> um. Ooh. Uh, best villain? Ooh. Hmm. I... <laughs> Joke answer, Ray Kroc in The Founder. <laughs> um, real answer, Kylo Ren. Well, I mean, well, I mean act, okay. Villain is di technically different from antagonist, so you could qualify Ray Kroc as just a villain protagonist. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but uh, but legitimately, Kylo Ren in Rise of Skywalker. As horribly as his redemption is executed, it he he sells it. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I'll give it. I'll give it that too. Yeah. Um, he does a. He does a like, Adam Driver does a great job of what he's given there. Yeah, that that's another man that is definitely going to win an Oscar by the time we die. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I love the continued running joke of John Oliver <laughs> just very much wanting <laughs> Kylo Ren, or, or wanting Adam Driver to, like, do anything to him. <laughs> like, like, and he's like, in the, most, in the most recent episode, he was like, you know, people may be wondering, is this sexual? Is this violent? <laughs> <laughs> like, because you can't tell. You can't tell. It feels more sexual, but, like, yeah, who yeah. knows. Um. Yeah. Oh, God. Um. Ooh, uh, let's go Miserable Movie Monday style here. Diamond in the Rough for, uh, for a good performance in a terrible film. Ooh. Hmm. Um. John Oliver in Wonder Park is yeah, the obvious yeah, answer okay, there. That was, a, that was a fast one. Uh, yeah, that was a really fast one. Um, oh, God. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, we, uh, we maybe did... Maybe a movie we'd, most likely be, we'd be most likely to watch again? 
Most likely to watch again. I mean, I've already watched Lady Bird and Rise of Skywalker again. I mean... Well, would you I, watch them a third time? And that case would be the question. Lady Bird, I would definitely watch a third time. Well, Rise of Skywalker, I'm definitely going to watch a third time, too. Just cause, I mean, again, I can't bring myself to hate any of the Star Wars movies. But also, they're not, like, movie... I, I genuinely like all of the Star Wars movies, except for Rogue One. Um... But, like, they're not movies that I can just continuously rewatch Because they're, like, events. Yeah. It's, it's like an event. Like, like you got to have a special occasion to watch those. Or be on a train with more time than usual and be <laughs> in the mood to revisit Force Awakens. Um, yeah. um, probably the most... The one I will honestly, the one on this list that I will probably rewatch the most would either be Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle or Naked Gun or Coco. I'm th I think it's the one I'd be most likely to watch again. Might be Vampire's Kiss, just to yeah, that's the fair. Someone else. That's fair. I I definitely want to watch Vampire's Kiss again. Um, Pulp Fiction, I want to watch again. Um, and see how much more I enjoy it if I skip everything in between Vincent Vega's death and um, the beginning of the third section. If I just skip the rest of the Bruce Willis section, I think it'll be better yeah. overall. I mean, yeah. I know, like, CinemaSins Jeremy mostly just likes to skip that. He, he's gone on record to saying he's watched that movie multiple times, skipping that entire section. Yeah, but, but I, feel like, I feel like if you want to avoid that one scene, you can just skip after he, you can just skip after he leaves, like immediately after he leaves the motel. Yeah, actually, I'm changing my mind on best death scene. That Vincent Vega's death is so beautifully. I mean, like that is that is like hyper editing done right. Yeah. Like Quantum of Solace could have definitely learned a few things from Pulp <laughs> Fiction. Um. Oh God. If we want to talk about best scene and worst scene, just overall, worst scene is hands down, um, the the action for me at least the the opening action scene of Quantum of Solace for worst yeah, scene. It's definitely up there at the very least. Um, for best scene, ooh, best scene is a top. There's so many. I think I would go with the the phone call in the the countdown phone call in all the president's men where dustin hoffman's on the phone and he's like okay if you think i should not go ahead or i i forget i forget exactly what that's another one i gotta rewatch. Yeah. um i own it on dvd now so don't have to worry about it being not on netflix anymore um, <clears throat> but, um, that one, um, that one scene where he's just, like, on the phone counting down to ten, or counting up to ten, or counting down to one, I forget which way he's counting, but, like, just the tension in that scene, and then there's that final moment. There, there's a lot of these movies that have, like, just such satisfying moments, like, that is a super... That's the most satisfying moment in that movie. Uh, and then King's Speech has a similar moment where um, 
the moment where um the the king and um his speech coach are having that big argument yeah. and uh he just goes off without stuttering once yeah. uh and the moment that like jeffrey rush is like you didn't stutter i forget exactly what he says but like that moment is so fucking satisfying yeah um Agreed. yeah I, I think I'd give it to that, probably. For best scene? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that is such a good scene. Um, uh, um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, my mind keeps go- going to, like, the joke awards I do for Miserable Movie Monday... <laughs> But I don't want to give out a Noah's Future Girlfriend award here. This that just seems I, this just seems weird uh, for these. I, I think. I mean. I think, I think okay. I think maybe considering the time we're at, it might be good to just end with one final, more serious award, and then just lead it, and then just kind of wrap up the podcast from there. Yeah, that that's and for, fair. And I like to suggest for that award the movie we're most. We're most glad that we watched. Uh, well, I mean, I I feel like I mean Ladybird. I mean, it's my it's my favorite movie out of these. I'm I'm so glad you didn't want to watch The Lobster. <laughs> now, um, that said, I am definitely going to. I definitely do want to watch The Lobster still on my own time. Um. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Lady Bird, it definitely, like, for me, yeah. For me, uh, not to sound like a bit of a broken record here, but I think for me it would be Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, that's that's fair. It gave me, like, a lot better of a sense of how a movie can work despite it not... Probably seem like it shouldn't be able to. Yeah, yeah. And it was like it made new like respect for like the crazy side of Nicolas Cage. Yeah. It, oh god, it's so good. Um We didn't even mention best director though. <laughs> I I mean I I don't know much about what like all the processes that go into directing a movie. Uh-huh. Um but I'd probably give it to Greta Gerwig or Quentin Tarantino. Probably Greta Gerwig. For Ladybird, yeah, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, as mentioned, of course, this is the end of our um film alphabet challenge. But we have another film alphabet challenge we will be starting well, in the next step. Challenge, but or not? Yeah, not not a film alphabet challenge. A a different film challenge. Um, we're gonna be doing films of the years of our lives, as we have teased um in multiple episodes. Um, basically, um, we, uh, uh, we're gonna take turns picking, uh, movies for all the years we've been alive, starting with my pick for 1998, since that's the year I was born, then Jacob will pick one for 1999, the year he was born, and so on and so forth, until we get to 2020 or 2021, depending on how long this goes. And depending on if any more movies come out in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now, I originally had a really bad movie in mind for 1998. 
Like, one that is considered by many to be one of the worst films of all time. Uh And then I had a thought that it'd be kind of cool, and you don't necessarily have to do this with your 1999 movie regardless, um, but I thought it might be fun to try to find a movie that came out after I was born. Now, obviously... Uh That's a little tougher for me because I was born December 15th, 1998. (laughs) So my options are super limited. But I did find one that I have had recommended to me multiple times. I've heard it is a phenomenal movie and it happened to come out after I was born. And it happens to be on Hulu. So Jacob. Yeah. Have you seen The Prince of Egypt? No, I have not. Sweet! That's what we're doing for the 1998 movie. Alright. Commonly regarded as Pixar, not Pixar, DreamWorks, DreamWorks best. Peeking a little early there, aren't we, DreamWorks? <laughs> um, but yes, that is the film we will be watching to start off this films of the years of our lives. And for those interested, the terrible movie I had in mind, which would have been the one I chose if Jacob had already seen Prince of Egypt, um, I might as well just say it. The Avengers. Yeah, that one. Wait. The one Wait. based on the spy show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> and here I was wondering if it had been an old, like, old terrible Marvel movie that we just never discussed. Uh, no, I mean, there are old terrible Marvel movies. But I feel like we've discussed most of them, most of them at least amongst ourselves. Yeah, God, I I still, I'm still trying to track down that Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> I found Nick Fury, a, a, a Agent of Shield. I think it's still on YouTube, so that might be a future miserable movie Monday. We'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I, mean, I know of a movie that was originally going to be a Doctor Strange movie. Wait, pardon? <laughs> Like I know, like I haven't seen it, but like a guy, like a guy that I follow on YouTube, like did an episode on a movie and prefaced it with like, like about essentially a Doctor Strange like character that was apparently at some point during planning going to be a Doctor Strange movie, but they either lost or couldn't get the rights, but continued making the movie anyway. Huh. I'm really curious about that movie now. Uh, I can probably look it up real quick. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious. Um, but while he's doing that, I mean, that's going to be the end of this episode. Obviously, uh, tune in next time, um, where we'll, we'll have some bigger topic and also be discussing the first film in our films of the years of our lives, uh, which is of course the Prince of Egypt from 1998. Uh, and of course, um, you can check out episodes of this podcast, both on my YouTube channel. I'm just Noah Nelson. Uh, if, if you search up no lights, no camera action on YouTube, you should be able to find it. Um, pretty easily. I would, I think, I don't know. Okay. Ma- I, I, sorry. Oh. Yeah. Go. I found the movie. What is it? Uh, okay. First of all, it was, uh, it was the, their option to make the movie with the Dr. Strange character expired before they could actually go into production. And it's Dr. Mordred. Oh, yeah, I think you've told me about that, actually. 
Or someone has. I don't know. I've heard of that. I, I recognize the name now. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, you, so you can check this podcast out on YouTube, uh, maybe add my name, no one else into the search bar, it will help you find it quicker. Um, uh, you can also check out this podcast on anchor.fm slash no lights podcasts, uh, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you can, uh, uh, check the link in the description for that, as well as my other podcast, The Miserable Movies You Missed. Which I haven't had to do an episode for in a while. Um, but um, just because I've, I've had good luck with copyright lately. Um, better luck than before, for sure. Um, but, um, uh, and then if you... Uh, you know, uh, if you really want to support us, um, listen to the podcast on Anchor, because uh, we might make some money. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what? A, yeah, I mean, and it's also easier to listen to it on Anchor if you want to listen to it, like, in the car or in the shower or anything. Uh, and I think I said this in the last episode, but... If you have a weird place where you like to listen to this podcast, let us know in the comments. Um, but with that, that's that's going to be it. Um, I'm Noah. I'm Jacob. Peace. Adios. And scene.